It's a Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, Punk Rock Collaboration, with Grayson McKinney and Zach Rondo, authors of The Expert Effect. All right. Welcome, Punk Rock Classrooms crew. It is Mike here. I'm super stoked for today's Punk Rock collaboration. Uh, I've got two amazing educators, um, also part of the EduMatch family. Um, you know, they, they wrote this book, The Expert Effect. So today we are joined by Grayson McKinney and Zach Rondo. Grace and Zach, welcome. Thank you so much, Mike. Yes, shout out to EduMatch. Great Thanks things are happening. I, I always love having fellow EduMatch authors. You know, I had Brent Coley on before and just, it's, it's nice. It's, it's a good family to be in, you know? Um, all right. So if you want to start, um, we'll start with Grayson. And then when he finishes up, Zach, you can chime in. Tell us, you know, kind of your, your bio, like who you are, you know, who, who's Grayson? Who's Zach? And then kind of <laughs> what I should right. have done is have you guys do each other's bio, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> but then kind of tell us, how did you get into where you're at in education? So Grayson, you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Grace McKinney and currently I'm a fifth grade teacher in Troy, Michigan. Um, I was born and raised in Michigan and I have not left the state uh, to, to teach anywhere else, but it's been amazing. This is my 15th year of education and um, Zach and I actually teach at the same elementary school building. Uh, it's where we met about, uh, I'd say, what, eight years ago now? And yeah, we're actually a couple of uh, classrooms down the hallway from each other. So we've we've had a great working relationship. <laughs> nice. Zach, you want to tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, I'm Zach Rondo. Um, this is my ninth year of teaching. Um, I teach fourth grade. And in the past, I've taught uh, two years of third grade, but the rest of the time has been in fourth grade. Um, getting into education, I come from a family of educators. My mom and my grandma opened a daycare center um, nice. before I was born, and it's still still going today. Um, and I have aunts who are teachers, and my grandparents were teachers. They actually met teaching down the hall from each other uh, as well. So I'm, I'm following in their footsteps in education. Sweet. So, all right. So you're fourth grade, and Grace in your fifth grade. So, Zach, is it... I'm assuming most of your students or a good portion of them will sometimes end up in Grayson's class the following year. Is that right? They do. So, so do you sometimes give them the heads up being like, Hey dude, um, <laughs> here's, here's so-and-so here's what's going on. Here's what works for this kid. I'm not turning I'm not being negative about it. Like just giving them some pointers or do you sometimes just keep your mouth shut and say, you know, I'm going to sit back with some popcorn on my plan. And see how, <laughs> see how this plays out next year. Uh, I think we've done a little bit of both of those. I think we've done a little bit of both or some heads up. And then sometimes you got to wait until they want the advice, you know, no. right. Let them, let them form the relationship first. But I think, and I, I, when I taught, when I taught, um, I was a junior high teacher, I taught ELA and we, they incorporated a looping system, you know? So I, I volunteered for it. Cause one, I was finished up my master's program with my, my admin uh, license. And I'm like, well, anything I can add to my resume. Right. So right. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll be a looping, looping ELA teacher. And there was something powerful about 
having the same kids each year. And in a sense with you guys, obviously you must get along. I mean, you wrote a book together. You're both here with me now. Like there's something powerful. We're almost like, I think like, do you ever take the approach like Zach where you're like, Hey, you know, if you have, you're having a kid that's struggling or whatever, like send them to grace and almost to like the heads up, like, Hey, this is like next year. I want you to start building that relationship now. And then grace can almost do the same thing where send a kid back to you that maybe you had a good relationship. I mean, do you guys ever, ever play like um, that type of role? That's yeah, a great idea. At the Go end ahead. of the year, you kind of like, when we make the list for next year, so you kind of know which kids are going to fit best with which teachers. So I think that does play into it. So we, I, you might not know this um, from our, our few conversations before this, but Zach and I actually started out by co-teaching. Oh. Um, so there was one year that we, we combined our classes into one like mega class and we had 54 or 56, <laughs> what, yeah, 50, 56 yeah. fourth graders in, uh, because our rooms have these flexible walls between them. And we were the only two sections of fourth grade. Uh, we were the only two male teachers in the building. So we, our principal was like totally behind it. She was like, yeah, give it a shot, see how it goes. And out of that year came so many of like the most um, like innovative things that we continue to do to this day because we had that backup, that support. And you could bounce ideas off of each other. And if Zach, you know, Zach is the sports guy and I'm like the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, Pokemon. Yeah. So like we could like totally play, you know, play to our strengths and like match up with kids who, you know, weren't necessarily on our class roster, but like, you know, one could step away and the other could step in. It was, it was an awesome arrangement. And actually the only reason I left fourth grade was to do what you did and to uh, loop with a group of students. So I, I moved one year with um, a group of fourth graders that I had just like an amazing connection with. I moved up with them to fifth grade and then I've, I haven't gone back yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much, so much comes out of the relationships that you build with um, kids over, over a longer period of time. And then, like you said, um, having that interplay between teachers and getting the best of both worlds. I think, I mean, I think it's awesome. We talk about that a lot on our show, like having like your, your crew, like you can't, this isn't a solo act, right? Like no. education, you have to have, um, you, you've got to have your crew. You got to have your, you know, your roadies and your friends making the flyers and post them all around town. Like, uh, I, I love it. Like I had, you know, I love this, this story between you guys. So Zach, first tell us like if someone were to pick up your book, the expert effect, right. Mm-hmm. And I know there's like a longer title to it, you know, just like mine's got a longer title. You just say the first couple <laughs> words, but what, could what would somebody expect like why would someone want to pick up your book like what are they going to get from it yeah so the expert effect is about um kind of changing the way that we do our classroom teaching so it's a system that we've broken down into three parts how do we get our students to learn from outside experts and what i mean by that is when we were in school we thought that our teachers knew all the answers for the smartest people in the world well with technology um and with all the various subjects we teach we don't have to be the smartest people in all right. these. So how can we connect our students to outside experts? How can we bring them in in this age of um, everyone being on Zoom? It's even easier uh, than it ever has. Um, two, how do we get our students to become experts? And what we have did 
mainly I would say when we co-taught and both have built off of this is project-based learning. How can we turn it from rote memorization and worksheets to more project-based learning and putting more of that creativity on the child, on the students um, to show their learning? And then how do we, how do we get them to showcase or teach like an expert for part three of the system. Um, and while we talk about those three parts, I think one of the parts of the book I'm really proud of is the introduction, um, which is really like setting the stage for like why we need edu- uh, innovation in education. It's kind of like our, our mic drop moments with our <laughs> old quotes and all of our visions of education nice. in there. Grayson, did he cover it all? Is there anything you want to throw in there? Well, like you said, uh, education doesn't have to be a solo act anymore. And I think, um, you know, what it means to have these deep learning experiences is reaching out to uh, people in your own school community, first of all, like start small. And, you know, what what are the careers that your students' parents, um, you know, are involved in? Like, do you have any engineers? Do you have any, um, you know, I don't know, do- diplomats or, right. or like somebody who can who can share that workload of, um, you know, talking about the, their real world experiences and then empower students to, you know, be curious about it and ask them questions and ask questions directly to the people who are doing these things. Um, and we've had some we've had some great um, opportunities, um, you know, between us and the teachers that we that we work with. Um, and we we share those stories in the book and how, what what a difference it made to kids who then, you know, take on that mindset of like, hey, my I'm I'm worth it. I'm worth reaching out to um, my favorite author, Rick Riordan, and and asking him a question. And you know, like Zach said, in the last few years, especially um, museums and all of you know authors have made themselves even more accessible um, because because people have been you know learning from home or or you know doing a hybrid model, and they've yeah. put their stuff out there. They've 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 offered their services. And so we're really trying to um, get people to capitalize that and take advantage of, of the learning opportunities that are out there. You know, it's, it's, I was talking to one of my best friends. He wrote the um, forward for my book, Jeff Kubiak, another edge match uh, author. And Jeff was saying yesterday how he, he was able, he went and read, um, he did a book read to like 600 kids at some school across the country, you know, he read his one drop of kindness. And he said, he's like, I just, he's like, man, I just love, he's like, I had to be up at, you know, be at work at 6am to lock myself in before the day started. Cause he's in California. He's like, but to, to just share my, the book, one drop of kindness and read to these kids. He's like, that's what I, that's what I live for. And even on our campus, like we've invited authors in. And I think like right now with like, how the technology is going and how, you know, Zoom and Teams and Google Meets and everything, mm-hmm. authors are more apt because mm-hmm. before it's like, okay, I got to fly out. Are you going to pay me for this? And then I need a right. rental. Like now it's like, who doesn't want to share their work, their passion that they put out there and yeah. and meet with with kids, our future. One thing I love that both of you guys, when we're, you're explaining kind of your book and like the process of what it does, not once did you mention, this is going to help you raise your test scores. You're going to meet <laughs> that threshold the state wants. You're going to, you know, you're going to, your kids are going to meet their targeted growth. All right. of it to me is sounding like, look, we want these kids to be empowered and take learning in their own hands. Like that's, that's what it comes down to. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. all of us are educators, but like, I, 
and we talk about this in the show, you know, when we would go to punk rock shows or hardcore shows, like in the, in the singer would just hold the mic out and just let the crowd sing. And, you know, it's like, well, you're the singer. You should be getting paid. That's what you're paid to do. No, like it, this is as much our show as it is the audience. And that's what it is for our kids. So, and I mean, like, just to use that analogy, like being at a concert like that and seeing, you know, seeing the band on stage and feeling the energy, there's nothing like that right? There, you can't recreate that. But in school, the, the closest we can come is like when, we, when we've got that idol up on stage and we've, you know, we've reached out and we've got this robotics engineer who's going to show us how, to, how he does programming. And like, it's like putting on a concert when you've got right. the, the experts coming into the classroom, you know, either virtually or, or in person. So yeah, we're trying to tap into that, that experience of like, you know, getting it from the source. So let me let me ask you guys, and either of you could start this one off. Like, how when did the two of you kind of decide, man, we got to put all these things out into a book? Because like I'm assuming you've been doing these things. I mean, between the 15 years you've been in education, Grace, and the nine that you've been there, Zach, you've been doing these things for some time. And I mean, I'm assuming because you did mention your team of teachers, you guys don't seem like you're the type that are just going to keep it just for you. I'm assuming you're sharing some of these great things with your colleagues. So, you know, it's inviting them in and they can do things as well. So what point did you guys say, we need to share this with the world. Like we need to put this in a book, like in, in, so one, you can answer that. Then the other question is how did, did you, what was your process of getting, you know, your, the book written and all that. So we'll start like, how, we'll yeah, I'll take the first part. part. Yeah, I'll take the first part. Um, so I think it started my, my second year of teaching. So um, us working together, our district opened this new position called a technology chair. And our principal asked if Grace and I wanted to split it. So uh, we agreed to this. And part of that was Grace and I working together to lead technology trainings for um, started with the beginning of the school year PD. We had just gone one-to-one um, with iPads. And then we were kind of responsible for training our building. So we definitely started out as leading like the, the typical like 20 apps in 20 minutes for your new iPad type right. of technology training. But that was a start and we kept building on that. And I would say today we probably done over 50 presentations together. And um, that kind of built into talking a lot about uh student voice and project-based learning. And then Grayson kind of like nailed down the three parts. Like, well, part of it is learning from experts, then becoming, then teaching like experts. So once we had that idea and we did that presentation a few times, it just made sense to us that like, we, we want to write a book and share this. Nice. Um, I love it. So Grayson, well, how did you guys, cause I've, I've always, I told you this before we started recording and actually I just had a, a panic attack. I, thought I forgot to hit record and I luckily it's, it's, <laughs> it showed up there. So because this, this has always intrigued me to have like co-authors or, or even there's books out there that have three authors, four authors, like how, what was your process? Like, how did you guys do this? I mean, what, like how many, was this years in the making? Did you throw it together in a few months? Like, yeah. I, so it, it's, oh, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. Like we, I think I, I start everything in my notes app. Like, so my notes app is just like overflowing. And I think I had like maybe six bullet points and I, 
I just recently screenshotted this and sent it to Zach. I was like, this was our beginning outline. Like this is, this is what we, it started with six, six bullet points and it, and it grew, grew into this, um, this thing. But yeah, we lived in a Google doc, uh, you know, collaborating on a Google doc for, I think it was like a two year, two year process okay. from that, in, that initial outline. Um, and it, uh, it was, it was kind of like, I really liked having this uh, co-authoring experience because there would be times when I had just had zero motivation and like, you know, it just seemed, you know, blank pages seem very daunting and like, where do you even start? And then like, you'd go into the Google doc and see that, oh, this whole, you know, a paragraph has been added. And so it's like, oh yeah, and I can build on that. So just like in our teaching, I think we, we kind of like, you know, ping ponged back and forth and like just played off each other's ideas. And, um, you know, something that we learned from co-teaching also was when we when we opened the doors to our classroom and had 56 students and everything that we thought was going to be awesome and like work work perfectly um, kind of came crashing down. And for like the first two weeks, we were like looking at each other like, how are we going to make this work? Right. And we realized that we had to be like very open and like direct with our, you know, feedback to each other and like, okay, this, we need to, we need a new plan. And so I think in writing the book, um, you know, we had that no, um, you know, no, no hurt feelings about, about feedback. If something wasn't working or if something wasn't clear, it's like having, you know, it's like having an editor with you the whole way through instead of waiting till the very end and then getting all this feedback, you know? So it worked for me and it worked so well that we're actually, um, in the process of getting ready to launch a picture book for kids with the same message. Um, like you said, it's always been about empowering kids to own their own education. And this picture book that we've put together, which is going to be like a classroom companion um, to the expert effect, it's called uh, the expert expedition. And um, we got it illustrated by an amazingly talented uh, secondary ELA teacher in our own district that nice. we happened to meet the summer. And uh, so we want to put that this message and the system into the hands of kids and and more classrooms that that may not have gotten the first one. So I love it, man. And like you could tell, obviously, that you guys get along well. You work very well with each other. And I I love that you said you have to be very open with each other. And I think you know, and, and you brought it back to when you were teaching, when you were co-teachers, because we've had co-teaching in our, in our district for a few years now. It's every year we're expanding on it. Um, my co-teaching uh, classrooms here are phenomenal. And it, it comes down to trusting one another and having that like relationship where you, you can say, Hey, like, like you said, Grace, you said like, Hey, this isn't working. <laughs> we need a new plan. Like we need to take a different approach. Um, and I think in education, sometimes there's a lot of egos that get involved, you know, and you two are like prime examples of like, look, drop your egos because it's not here to, for, you know, for Grayson's class to skyrocket to him to be the stars or for Zach, you know, to, to win, you know, the award of teacher of the year at the end, it's, we're in this for the kids to benefit them and help empower them to move forward, you know? Um, so I love it. You guys, it's, I wish you could come and like, 
come over here and like talk to our, yeah. you're not that far though. You're in Michigan though. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how far it is from, from where I'm at, but it's probably a few hours. Uh, I got two more questions to ask you guys. Um, the one you mentioned giving students their voice, you know, having student voice out there and, and really focusing on like project-based learning. And, you know, when I think of those, it's like putting, giving the student voice for sure, but like giving these kids their ownership of their learning. So how can we help do that? Because there's a lot of teachers um, when you hear project-based learning, you know, they, there's like a fear because it almost, Oh my gosh, it's like, I don't have time to do this. I don't, how, how am I going to, you know, incorporate this? And what, what's your advice? Like how could one, me, a building leader help to bring more project-based learning to our campus, our classrooms, or how can, you know, what would you say to that teacher that's on the fence? And it's like, I want to do it because I see the benefits, but they're afraid to take that leap. Like what's some advice you can give them? Zach, you want to go first? Yeah. So um, I think the biggest thing is it's a huge misconception. And we've heard this for many years when we give presentations and people ask us questions about project-based learning and they assume project-based learning is like the teacher just like is hands off, like gets out of the way. And then the kids are project, you know, projecting and it's just (laughs) chaos. And I would tell you if that's how you're going to go about it, it probably will be chaos. And, you know, within the project-based learning cycle, there are still time like, you need to do those direct instruction mini lessons. Like there can still be those mini, you know, even lecture type teaching that right. build the background knowledge because you can't create a project without any background knowledge. Right. Uh, so one thing we say um, in the book is that start small, but dream big. So if you were um, starting out or leading staff meetings, what I would say is have, you know, have the teachers pick one unit or one area of their curriculum to start with and try to launch a project within that one area. You don't have to do every single unit as a project-based learning unit. And as you start teaching the curriculum more and more, you understand where those little rabbit holes in the curriculum that you can dive down and go deeper um, and do that. So I'd say start small by picking one unit of your curriculum and, you know, how can you frame it with a driving question that you and your students are working to answer throughout that entire unit? I love it. Thanks, Grayson. Um, do you want to add anything? Chime in. If you had a different response, um, you know, I I just listened to your 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 uh, punk rock classroom episode of talking about the February funk and like get how do you get through the doldrums of of yeah. you know what what feels like the longest month. And I th- I think I just want to encourage people. Project based learning is something that like re- will reignite the energy and the enthusiasm for learning at, at especially at this time of year. Like if you can find something like a driving question, uh, like Zach said, that's engaging enough that kids like want to know the answer to or or are intrigued by and um, you know giving them the opportunity to have some voice and choice, it really does bring back energy at a at a time when when energy levels are at a, a critical low because kids kids have like an unlimited um amount of um you know curiosity that you can yeah. tap into and project-based learning kind of lets them follow those threads of of inquiry um so yeah start small dream big um and add legos legos is a great <laughs> great way to start um just you know i i brought in all my legos 
uh, from my my kids' playroom, and I've I've pulled them out uh, on occasion, and it's like a one, it's like a one hour project based learning. It doesn't have to be long, and I'll say like, okay, we just learned about this topic, like we read um, we read what was uh, Ground Zero by Alan Gratz, and it was all about September 11th from different perspectives. And I said, use the Legos and I want you to build a monument to the, uh, you know, to the two different perspectives that were presented in the book. And so kids are like building and talking and you know, the whole design process. So Legos can, uh, Legos can liven things up too. <laughs> nice. All right. I got one last question. Um, it's a twofer. I'm going to ask you, you know, punk rock classrooms, what have you been listening to? And then also give us your, you know, tell us what you've been listening to. Give us your contact info of how people can reach you on uh, the social medias, where they can get the book and all that. And uh, we'll also put that info in the show notes. But Grace, let's start with you. What have you been listening to, man? And how can we find you? So I've been very excited for this because I grew up um, listening to, uh, I, I would call it like pop punk. And in yeah. fact, my, my screen name from like my AIM instant messenger was always fake punk 182. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. who I am. So some 41 and yellow card and, and, uh, Phoenix TX, all those, all those bands were what I grew up listening to. Um, my, my students recently have turned, turned me on to, um, like the Korean version. And I don't even know like all of the, um, band names. Um, but there's like a whole subgenre of like Korean punk, which is amazing. Um, so like if you look up like the black clover, uh, playlist, there's some great intros there. And, um, the one that I have on repeat is the intro from the seven deadly sins, uh, which is like a anime series. And, um, it's, I run, I run to it. I just ran my first half marathon nice, congrats. Uh, a couple months ago. And it's like my, it's my pump up, pump up music. So perfect. And how can we find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at G McKinney two. And uh, Zach and I have uh, an Instagram account that we post uh, stuff for our book, which is expert effect edu. Uh, so you can find me there. Cool. And then Zach, what have you been listening to, man? Well, I, I am also a 90s kid at heart, so my top two are Blink-182 and Sum 41 by far. Nice. Those always take me back, and I, I still find myself listening to those in the gym. Um, nice. And then my contact info um, on Twitter, it's at Mr. Rondo, and then on Instagram, at Zach Rondo um, as well. Cool. And then Mike, that was one of the first things we had to figure out when we were co-teaching is what are we going to listen to while we (laughs) clean up and get ready for the day. And on those car trips to like presenting at conferences too, we had to agree on. (laughs) Well, at least you, at least you have, you you guys got a similarity of what you're into. Um, (laughs) All right. So yeah, you guys pick up the expert effect. It's chock full of amazing things. That's going to if they, if you're not, if you were inspired today by these two, like you're definitely going to want to get this book, um, you get know, on Amazon, Edumatch's website, um, Barnes and Nobles, but we'll have, we'll have those links in the show notes. Um, guys, I want to thank you for so much for being on and crew. We'll see you at the show. Podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. 
Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We'll see you on the next episode.